0: Muhammad Ali came into a fight. Uh, they titled it, The Rumble in the Jungle. Say amen. amen. Say that with me. The Rumble in the Jungle. Now, I know you're thinking, why are you in here with such a ridiculous outfit on? <laughs> I'm kind of wondering that myself. Amen. <laughs> uh, I know one thing. I, I, I feel like I'm the 1990s version of George Foreman, not the 1967 version. Amen. I was, I was studying all week and, and uh, I said, Lord, I really need something for these people to remember what I'm fixing to say. If there, was ever, if there was ever a message that I have preached or I want to preach and give to you, this is one I want you to remember. How many of y'all, how many of y'all have noticed that some of the visual aids you remember a long time after the outline is forgotten? <laughs> Uh, matter of fact, I can't even hardly remember the outline of the one where the video of the guy uh, playing the Christian role. I can still remember that. And I'm still stopping on the side of the road helping people because of that video. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do me a favor. I want it today to be memorable. I want it today. I don't want you to ever forget this message. I am tired of seeing Christians being knocked out. I'm tired of seeing them fall. Why? Because it's unnecessary. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ. We have the victory. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He has all power and all might. There is nothing impossible to us through Christ Jesus. Say amen. Amen. Give God praise and glory. Now listen... I, I want to share with you just a, just a couple of things this morning. And please, if you're if you're offended by the intro and all that, just overlook that. I, I, it's something I've always wanted to come in like Rocky. Say amen. So just, all right, just give me that. All right, can I have that? Because I'm a lover, not a fighter. Amen. And this would be the only way I could do it. I was getting nervous sitting out there. I felt like I was going to a fight. Amen. But this is this is what I want to share with you. Uh, Peter was an unbelievable person. His character was unbelievable. He was a go-getter. He he showed great initiative. I mean, there was just things of of his quality and character that is just un, unparalleled with the rest of the disciples. And I I wondered why and how it was that a man like this could fall like Peter fell. Nobody, none of the other disciples fell like Peter fell. Sometimes we look, none of the other disciples did what Peter did either. But I want, to give you, I want to give you just a couple quick things and and i don 't have sub point one a and b sub point two a and b we 're just going to give you one, two, three, and four and that just quickly and then I want to share with you the last thought, that last uh, point there today all right so if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to do this please do this, please remember what i 'm saying number one, number one, I want you to see I want you to see the potential the potential that branded him. the Bible says Simon... Simon, Satan hath desired to have thee, that he may sift you as wheat. He wants you. He did not pick out John. John, was the Bible says, was, was there. He would lay his head on the chest of Christ, and he was the closest to him, the one, the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. He was, had a, a great, close, intimate relationship with Christ, yet he did not pick him. He did not target him. He did not target Matthew. He did not target the other disciples there. He specifically said, Simon, Simon, be careful. They were were arguing over who would be the greatest. They were arguing over who would, uh, listen, stand and be the the top-notch disciple. And Jesus said, look, Simon, you need to understand something. Satan is after you. He is specifically targeting Simon. And I wondered about that. Why? What, What is the purpose of that? Why would that be the case? And then God led me back just a few chapters before and listen, where Jesus came to his disciples and said, listen, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And, and some say, well, some say thou art a Some say that thou art one of the prophets. Some, some even believe that you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. But who do you say that I am, Jesus said. Simon spoke up. He said, we believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is what Jesus said to him. He said, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And unto thee give I the keys to the kingdom. Thou art Peter, but on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it," he said. "Peter, you're going to have the keys. Peter, you're going to unlock the door of salvation to the Jews in Acts chapter two. But on the day of Pentecost, when thousands were saved, then he reached the Samaritans in Acts chapter number eight. He opened the door of salvation to the Samaritans, which were half Jew and half Gentile, in Acts chapter eight. But then the Gentiles with Cornelius in Acts chapter ten. And then it dawned on me, Satan was after Peter because he had the keys. God was going to use him in a great way. God had a great future planned for him. And what am I saying? I'm telling you this. Satan don't want you because you're a good person. Satan don't want you just because he's picking on you. Satan wants you because you have a great future. You have a great potential that he knows about. And he wants to stop your future from happening. He wants to stop these young people because they have a great future out in front of them. God says, I know my plans for you. I plan to prosper you. I plan to bless you. I plan to move you. I've got a great plan for your life. And that's exactly what Satan's after. He's after your future, he's after your prosperity, he's after your potential. There are potential missionaries in this place. There are potential musicians in this place. There are potential singers in this place. There are potential preachers in this place. There's gonna, listen, God's going to raise a young man out of, this, out of this place that will preach to twice as many people as I'll ever get to preach to. He is after your potential. Amen. Satan has desired to have thee. Peter, he's desired to have thee, the potential that branded him. And number two, write this down quickly. Don't you see the preaching that bothered him? Peter was like many of us. He said, when Jesus got on to him, didn't really get on to him. He was warning him. He was saying, Hey, look, be careful. Be careful. You're in a bad way. You're in a dangerous way. I see somebody coming. I'm the shepherd, and I can see the wolf. Brother Chris, he could see him coming. He said, I'm telling you, be careful. There's a lion coming. He's coming. Be careful. But Peter got angry. Watch what he says, Jesus trying to warn him, Jesus trying to help him, Jesus said, look, he said, be careful, be careful, he said, uh, uh, Satan has desired to have thee he may sift you as wheat. Now watch how, watch how Peter responded. In Mark chapter 14, same same situation just coming from another gospel writer, it says, And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow, that twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Now watch how he responds in verse thirty one. But he spake the more what? Say it with me, he spake the more. What does that mean? That means he got mad. He got mad. How many times how many times have people been sitting in this audience and heard God speak to them and warned them and, and say, be careful, and you got mad? Yeah, that stinking preacher's meddling. He needs to mind his own business. He needs to do his own thing and stay out of my life. Well, that's no problem. But only one problem is, is you can tell that to the Holy Ghost, but he ain't going to listen. Amen. He's going to get in your stuff, And every time you come here, he's going to get in your stuff again. He follows you everywhere you go. He listens to everything you listen to. He sees everything you see. He goes everywhere you go. He knows exactly what you're doing. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from your spouse. You can hide it from your family. But I'm telling you, there's an all seeing eye that's watching everything. And he is letting you know what your business is. Oh, yes. I don't like that. You know, how many times have people again. Listen, they heard God try to speak to them, and they left bitter instead of better. Listen, God tells you you don't need to be shacking up. If you're living together, you don't need to be doing that. That's against the Word of God. That's against the law of God. Not only that, it will destroy your relationships in the future. You are starting on the wrong foot. You don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be running around. You can't play both sides of the fence. He says you're either for me or against me. No man can serve two masters. You cannot walk the chalk line with God. You cannot walk on Listen, both sides of the fence, one place or the other is going to come crashing down. Right. Right. But you get mad. You get angry. I mean Peter's, he's getting mad at Christ. Christ who reached down and picked him up out of a stormy sea when he was about to drown. Christ who calmed the storm and said peace be still he calmed him and helped him fed him when he was hungry when he didn't have nothing to eat he took and fed him and met his need healed his diseases came in and touched his family when his family was sick and now he's getting mad at him saved him and changed his life turned him from being a fisherman to a fisher of men but now he's getting mad at him And some, some of us do the same thing God will crawl right in our lap in the middle of a service. He'll jump right on. Up. I'm telling you, I know this for a fact because I've done this. I've been there. I've been there when God crawled in my ear and wouldn't leave me alone. And I couldn't shake him. Everywhere I went, I couldn't shake him. I wanted to do my own thing. But God said, oh, no. Because you belong to me. Well, I'll just leave. I'll just quit. I'll just go. Well, you can do that. But you're going to be the most miserable person in the world. Dr. Adrian Rogers Man, he was a man's man and a preacher's preacher. Dr. Adrian Rogers had that voice. My beloved. I mean, when he talks, you just... He said the most miserable person in the world is a Christian out of fellowship with God. How do you know? Peter said, I'm going fishing. It's amazing to me. You always go back to what you know. You go back to what you're familiar with. You go back to that thing because you're uncomfortable where you are. It's not working where you are because you're unsubmissive and you won't do what God's telling you to do and God's making it miserable. I'll just go back to what I was. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because when you go back, the Bible said they fished all night long and caught nothing. 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 So you're not going to fit in that world anymore. You're not going to fit in that world. You you say, "I'll go back to drinking. It won't taste the same. I'll go back to juke jointing, dancing, and carrying on. Oh, it won't be the same because the Holy Spirit won't let you alone because you belong to Him now." But he got mad. Peter got mad. You say, "Why are you saying all this?" Because we're talking about being KO'd. What's KO'd mean? This is a process to being knocked out. You have potential that the devil's after. Then you move to a place that when God warns you about what's coming, when God warns you about the mats coming, when God warns you about that sucker punch from the devil, when God tries to tell you, it's coming, be careful, it's coming, be careful. I'm telling you, be careful, be careful. Ah. See, here's what happens. Many of us, this is is the deal with Peter. He wanted to please God. He did. He really did. He wanted to serve God. And he meant it with all of his heart. But he wanted to do it his way. Did y'all catch that? He came to, he came to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm telling you, this is anointing. This is anointing. I know I look ridiculous, but I'm telling you, this is anointing. What I'm telling you right now is coming from God. So please listen. Please Listen. Peter came to, or Jesus said, the first time he spoke, the first time he spoke about his crucifixion and about what was going to happen with him and his death, Jesus came and Peter said, whoa, hold up, hold up, Bubba. No, this ain't going to happen. Hey, don't far be it for, no, I won't let this happen. And this is what Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou desirest not the things of God. Now, you can't say that he didn't want to serve God. You can't say that he didn't love God. You can't say because he was willing to take the sword out and risk his own life for Jesus. He loved the Lord, but he wanted to do it his way. Some of y'all want to serve God, but you want to do it your way. Some of y'all want to be what God wants you to be, and you really mean it. You really mean it. But you still want to have your hand in something that God's wanting to get your hand out of. And I want to do right, but I want to do my thing too. It don't work. It don't work because if you stay there, you're headed for a knockout. George Foreman, George Foreman, I went back and looked some clips. He would actually hit people and bring them this far off the ground. I'm talking about hit them and their great-grandchildren got a headache. I mean, just whoom, and I'm like, hmm. I, I watched a clip of an interview I watched a clip of an interview and this is exact words he's standing there being interviewed and, and, and the, the, the newspaper said if you, if you lose he said I beg your pardon <laughs> he, he, said, he, said, he said if you lose are you going to continue fight, he said I beg your pardon he said you don't think you're going to lose he said no no Forty fights, 40 no. Thirty-seven knockouts. Many didn't even get past the six minute mark. He was said to be, and they're still saying it, that he was the most powerful, hardest, strongest puncher ever in the history of boxing. And Muhammad Ali is an older version, a slower version. There's no way. There's no way he could lose. There's no way he could lose. There's no way that Ali can win this fight. He was a very, very, very huge underdog. And foreman coming into the fight. Believing that he could not fall. Pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. We see the potential that branded him, the preaching that bothered him. But then write this down. The pride that blinded him. The pride that blinded him. Peter was so proud. He was so prideful. This is what God showed me in this deal. Brother Dave, his his strength became his greatest weakness. His strength became his greatest weakness. George Foreman in that fight, this is when Muhammad Ali adopted the rope-a-dope. Anybody ever heard of the rope-a-dope? I'd heard him say it, but I didn't know what he was talking about until I started studying this out. Muhammad Ali got this idea. He didn't even tell his trainers. He would go in and he would lean against the ropes and hold his arms up and just let him flail away. Just let him swing away. And he just kept, he just blocked shots. And he'd just take them all. He'd just take them all. Round one, round two, round three. He just kept and doing all that. Not throwing very many punches. Just kept taking and just kept. And here's what George Foreman was doing. George Foreman was going into the ring. I'm the baddest. I'm the strongest. I'm so powerful. I'm going to overpower him. And with every mighty swing, he was doing everything he could using his strength. But by the eighth round. He was gassed. And his strength became his greatest weakness. And Peter was so confident. Peter was so, he was so much of a leader. Man, he was so much of a leader. He had so much potential. He was always putting his foot in his mouth, but he was always doing something. So, oh, but Peter did this and Peter did that. Yeah, but he did something. Everybody gets on to him because he was, I mean, he inserted his foot all the way to the kneecap. But who walked on water? Who was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Who preached? Say amen. Easy now, we got to wait for it. We're getting to that one. Amen, I can't wait. But his strength became his weakness. His pride blinded him. How you know? How you know? Watch this verse right here. Watch this verse right here. The Bible says in Luke 22, 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may shift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, this is what Peter says. I'm ready. I'm ready. Don't worry about me. I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to even go to death. I am ready. And Jesus is like, you ain't even close. Here's what some of y'all are saying today. Young people alike, older people and younger people. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Don't worry about me. Mind your own business. I I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing with my family. I know what I'm doing with my spouse. I know what I'm doing with my parents. I know what I'm doing with my girlfriend. I know what what I'm doing with my boyfriend. I don't need your preaching. I don't need your lecturing. It's all good. Peter said, it's all good. I'm ready. Don't worry about me. And he was totally blinded to his weakness. The whole time, he's getting further and further away from where God wanted him to go. And the further you get away from the Lord, the further outside of the umbrella of protection he can offer, and he will get you. He was blinded. But then number four, write this down. The potential that branded him. Number two, number two, the preaching that bothered him. Number three, the pride that blinded him. But then look at this verse. The Bible says it was one of the last verses that, that Brother Scott uh, did a good job to, Brother Scott. appreciate it. Luke 22, 61, and the Lord said, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me. And watch what happened. And Peter went out and... He hit the canvas. In the eighth round of a fight that started at four o'clock in the morning in Africa so that it could be televised in prime time in America, the world was shocked because the unbeatable went into a ring. A person who could not be beat, the most powerful puncher, the strongest fighter ever in the history of boxing. And the eighth round hit the canvas. Because he went in with pride and arrogancy, saying, I'm ready. Some of you are facing situations in your life right now. And the Lord's trying to warn you. And the Lord's trying to tell you. And the Lord's trying to get your attention. And because of your pride, you're saying, I'm ready. I know what I'm doing. Don't worry about me. It's all good. And the very next step for your life is the canvas. Amen. Peter never dreamed in a million years, Brother Chris, that he would say, I don't know him. He even cursed. I don't know. I tell you, I don't know this man. I don't know him. And when he said it the third time, Brother Donnie, if you'll read the scriptures correctly, he was in close enough vicinity that the Bible says that the Lord saw it, heard it, and immediately when he denied him the third time, the Lord looked at Peter, and Peter looked at the Lord. And he knew what he had done. But it was too late. He hit the canvas. And he went out and wept bitterly. I looked that up, Brother Chris. That word bitterly means to the place of no more tears. Have you ever been that place in your life where you cried so much you didn't have no more tears? I mean, you just cried and wept and was so broken. So broken that you run out of tears. He was so humiliated. He was so embarrassed. He was so broken. He could not believe his Savior, his Lord... His mentor, the one who had done so much for him. And you know what the saddest part is? I believe with all of my heart, because I know this by experience. The first thing that happens when, when I mess up or I fall after somebody's warned me, the first thing I think of is that warning. Would anybody agree with that? The first thing I think about is that person who tried to tell me. The first thing I think about is that message that that, that somebody tried to tell me that be careful, be careful. I'm not thinking about I'm not thinking about the hurt it's causing. I'm not thinking about what I might have to face. All I can think about is why did I not listen to that man when he told me that? The pain that broke him. He was so broken. He was so broken. Went out. will he ever speak to me again I saw it in his eyes I saw it when he looked at me he looked at me when I did it he looked at me when I said it he looked at me with those eyes I broke his heart and that pain broke him broke him and he hit the canvas he hit the canvas you say is that the end of the story no Thank God. George Foreman developed and created the lean, mean, fat grilling machine. Are y'all with me, church? Fat, lean, mean, fat-reducing grilling machine. I've had the blessing of owning one for about a month. (laughs) George Foreman said this. He said, I've made more money off my grilling machine than I ever made in boxing. He come back. And by the way, he come back many years later in this form and beat Michael Moore for the for the heavyweight champion of the world oldest person ever to win and reclaim heavyweight championship George Foreman the only George Foreman I really know is the one who's got like 22 children named George and you, you see this happy-go-lucky jolly guy and by the way, the reason he's that way is because he got saved he got saved But his pre Jesus years, it was. But he came back. Thank God. What's that got to do with Peter? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Peter's feeling lower than a snake in a wagon track because, see, for three days, for three days. He had to live with the fact that Jesus knew what happened. He was haunted. Brother Dave, you got to get this. I mean, he's standing there looking at Jesus bleeding on a cross. And, and what, is our, what is our greatest fear? Is that, that one of our loved ones would die without us really telling them we love him or telling them what we really feel about him? Or if we got in an argument with them and then something happened and we couldn't make it right. And here he is. Oh, I want to make it right. I want to apologize. I want to... And Jesus dies he's living with that thought. He's living with what he did. He's living with his humiliation. And probably the disciples ain't having a whole lot to do with Peter. They knew what happened. Word gets around quick. You think word gets out in, in the world circle. It really gets out in the church circle. Everybody knew, did y'all hear what Peter done? I tell you what, all that, highfalutin Peter, everything, Jesus took him everywhere. Now look what he done to Jesus. Isn't that what we do to each other? Three days, night and day, he'd wake up and go to bed, wake up and go to bed. And then on that resurrection (laughs) date, he got up. He got up. So what's this got to do with, write this last one down and and then listen to me. I want you to see the process that blessed him, the 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 potential that branded him, the the the, the preaching that bothered him, the the pride that, that 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 blinded him, and 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 then the pain that broke him. But I want you to see the process that blessed him, the process that blessed him. On that day, listen. Some of the disciples. Came to the tomb, and there was an angel there with a, a, a special message from the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and 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 he said, "Listen, go tell the disciples that that Jesus is risen again. Go tell him that he's alive and well. Go tell him that the grave couldn't hold him back. Go tell him that the grave could not hold him down. And by the way, don't forget Peter. Amen. Yeah. Go tell Peter." Jesus said, I know he's going to feel rough. I know he's going to feel bad. I know he's going to be disheartened. But don't forget to tell Peter. Tell Peter, he's still my boy. Tell Peter, he's still on the team. Tell Peter, everything's going to be all right. The first thing he did was comfort Peter. Tell him all oh, everything's all right. Tell him I still want to see him. Tell him I still love him. Tell him to come see me. I need a witness. He comforted him. In his darkest hour. But then the Bible says, on that shore, Peter still ain't where he needs to be. He's probably still feeling guilty. Because, isn't it funny? Even though, even though, even when we get forgiveness, sometimes we don't feel forgiven. Isn't that amazing? We can come to the Lord. With our darkest need. We can come to the Lord with our biggest failures and hangups and brokenness. And we can come to Him. And the Bible says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He says, confess your faults. Listen, confess your sin to Him. And He'll wash it white as snow. He'll wash it away and cleanse your life. He'll cleanse that sin away. But sometimes, even when He does that, it don't feel like it. And Peter's still struggling. You're still struggling with what he did. I believe with all of my heart, he's struggling with facing them other God. He's struggling with going on. It's, it, listen, God, please get this. Please get this. When we mess up and fail, God don't forgive you so you can quit. God don't forgive you so you can throw in the towel and say, well, I don't deserve to do this anymore. I don't deserve to be here anymore. I don't deserve. No, you don't. You didn't deserve it before he saved you. You didn't deserve it before he forgave you. But he forgives you anyhow. He says, how much more shall the blood of Christ purge our conscience from dead works that we may serve a living God? Not so we can quit. Not so we can throw in the towel. But that we can go forward. Yes, give him praise and glory. Listen, he comforted Peter and said, hey, tell him, don't don't, don't forget Peter. Don't forget Peter. He's still on the team. He's still on the team. I know he messed up, but he's still on the team. I still got plans. But then he challenged Peter. He challenged Peter. On that seashore after they'd gone fishing. Because see, you'll always go back to what you're familiar with. You'll you'll go back to what you were good at. Some of y'all were good at sinning. It just is what it is. You were a connoisseur of wickedness. You was good at it. This Christian thing's more difficult, so I'll go back to what is easier for me. I'll go back to what I know. I'll go back to what I was good at, and i and i and I. And I that's what Peter did. He said, "I'm going back fishing." That's what I was doing when I, when you came and got me, and, and that's all I really know. And I'm 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 i more home. I can maybe I can do that. I'm not no good disciple, man. I just died night and three times. I ain't no good at what he called me to do. I just go back to what I used to do. <laughs> only problem is Jesus controls the fishes in the sea yes. right, I believe they run their nets out I believe they run their nets out I believe they run their nets out in that lake and, and, and they sit back waiting and Jesus was down there with them fish uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> don't huh? don't you get in that net yeah, hello That's right. you believe God could do that if he made them and spoke them into existence he can tell them not to go in a net He said, no, I got some work to do. I'm working on Peter. Stay out of that net. And he'll do the same thing to you. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to enjoy what you used to do. You're not going to be successful either. And so he's here on this, sh- this shore. and <laughs> Thank God Jesus knows all that. He, he knows our frailty. He knows our we. He knows we're made out of dirt. We're made out of dirt. He knows that. Sometimes we're harder on ourselves than he is. Because he knows them. He knows Peter's struggling. Then in the morning, hey boys, have you any meat? He knew they didn't have no meat. He told him to keep out the net. No, we don't have anything. And see, when you, when, you, when you fish all night and catch nothing, you got an attitude. When I fish one hour and catch nothing, I got an attitude. No, we ain't caught nothing, wore out. See, you got to understand, they're not throwing a Zebco 303, they're pulling nets. That's a lot of work, man. It'll wear you out. They're wore out, they're tired, they're frustrated. Man, I can't be a disciple, I, I messed that up. I can't even go back to what I used to do. I can't do that anymore. Man, I'm just not good for anything. Hey, boys. Won't you try the other side? Did you hear what he said? Does he not realize we fished all the way around this boat tonight? See, it wasn't nothing about the other side of the boat. It was about being obedient to what Jesus said. Because, see, obedience brings blessing. Not what, whether you're on the north side or south side of the boat. It's doing what Jesus said. Wow. And they threw the mess out here. They go, whoo, boys. Look at here. And then it dawned on them, uh-oh. You see when Peter said, I'm going back fishing, others went with him. Be careful when you go to do your own thing. Because you're always going to take others with you. The worst thing you can do is take your family with you, Amen. but you'll always take other people with you. And the thing is, they said, boys, this looks awful familiar. This must be deja vu or something. Cause this, this atmosphere, this situation reminds me. Oh no. Last time this happened, Jesus was with us. They said, there he is. Then peter bailed out Pew! he didn't even wait he swam to shore don't tell me he didn't love him Amen. he loved him he just had issues yeah. has anybody in here got issues yeah. Right. Yeah. turn around and look at your neighbor and say you got issues <laughs> why'd you make them do that because they wouldn't raise their hand I ain't got no problems. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Issues. (laughs) Issues. We all got them. Peter gets to the shore. He's sitting there. Jesus, Jesus say, what's wrong with you? Did I not call you to be a fisher of men? What are you doing going back there? What's wrong with you? See, he wasn't on the committee. See, some of us Baptists, we want to grill them. We want them to know how displeased we are. Please. When he got to shore, Jesus had supper. You know why? Because he knew they'd be hungry. Jesus had a fire because he knew they'd be cold. Because when you work them nets, brother Dave, you get wet, and being out on the and it could be it could be seventy degrees on the water, but you get wet on the water, you get cold. And he has a fire to warm them up. Come on, boys, come on. Grab you a fish sandwich. (laughs) And when he gets through eating, he said, "All right, now Peter." It's time to get down to business. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Preacher, where are you getting this point? The point is this first he comforted him, but then he had to challenge him. See, God can't let you stay in the problem. God can't let you stay in the failure. God can't let you stay in that situation. He's got to challenge you where your weakness was. Where was his weakness? He said, I love you more than all the rest of them. They can all, because he said, the, the shepherd will be smitten and all the flock will scatter and you'll all be offended of me. And he said, all them will be offended, but not me. And I believe Peter, hey, listen, Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, and he looks at the rest of the disciples, do you really love me more than these? What's he doing? He's challenging his pride again. How many times did how many times did how many times did Peter deny Christ? Three times. How many times did he ask him, Peter, do you love me? Three, three times. I believe this may not be, but I believe it. Them disciples knew what happened. Y'all with me? They knew what happened, but Jesus was doing it in front of them so they could see. Hey, he's okay. Peter, do you love me? Oh, yeah? Oh, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I know. Y'all listening, boys? Amen. Peter, lovest thou me more than these. And Peter says this. Lord, you know all things. You know whether I do or not. You know where I'm at. See, before, he said, I'm ready. Jesus, said, you ain't ready. Yeah. Now he's saying... I don't know where I am. You know all about me. And Jesus says, now you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you're ready. Yeah. Here's the deal. Let me finish up with this. Brother Donnie. He he comforted him, then he challenged him. Then he confirmed him. After he denied. Boy, this does something for me, I'm telling you. If you've never failed or made a mistake, this won't help you. But if you've ever messed up, and I'm not talking about getting no traffic ticket. I'm talking about messed up. Messed up. The Pharisees wrote Peter off. I would be willing to bet, which I'm not a gambling man, so I'd be willing to guarantee that the disciples, some of them, wrote him off. I believe the crowd that Peter had been preaching to wrote him off. Here you are standing one day casting out devils, and now you you, you talking like a devil. There ain't nothing to you. I knew it was fake. I knew there was nothing to you. I knew that it was all just a hoax. I knew it was just a rig to get something out of it. I knew it. I knew it. Peter's feeling the pressure. Then the Bible says after the Holy Ghost touched him. On the day of Pentecost. Thousands were there. And the Bible didn't say and John stood to his feet. The Bible didn't say and Matthew stood to bring a message. It didn't say it didn't say Mark had a word to say. It didn't say any of the disciples stood up. When the time comes, the Bible says Peter came to the place. And he said, men and brethren, I got a word for you. There was a man by the name of Jesus Christ who you crucified and you put in the ground. And listen, I want to tell you that his father brought him back from the dead on the third day. He is Lord Jesus Christ and you need to repent of your sins. And they said, men and brethren, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized. Repent and confess your sins and ye shall be saved. And the Bible says, and they that gladly received his word were baptized and God saved them Thousands of people saved. And listen, everybody wrote him off. Everybody said he was done. Everybody said the canvas was the final deal. But God said, I'm a second chance God. I'm going to do it again God. I'm going to give it back to you God. I'm going to give you back what the devil stole. He'll confirm you. He's got a plan for your life. Preacher, I messed up. Shake it off. Stomp it down and go forward. I need a witness. I read a story about an old mule. An old mule fell in a well. An old mule fell in a well. An old farmer came and looked. So, oh, old Della, what am I going to do? That's old Della. I can't stand to let her starve. I can't stand to let her starve. I can't do that. It, it, it'd be a long, drawn out process. I'll just, I'll just bury her. That way, it'll be over it in just a few minutes. So he went and got his tract and started, got some dirt and dumped off in the well. Old Della went. stoned in him. He said, i got to go with some more. Come out, Dumped it in again. Old Della went. Well, that farmer just kept on dumping dirt, dumping dirt, dumping dirt. Well, it just kept rising and rising and rising. till all of a sudden... She shook it all, stomped it down, and walked right out of the well. Amen. Are you calling me a mule? It's like they said to Cinderella to shoe fit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm just don't quit. Don't quit. There's two sides of this thing. I'm trying to see and make sure some of y'all don't hit the canvas. And I'm trying to let y'all know that did, you can get back up. You can make it. You can go forward. I, I know. I know what it means and feels like to mess up. I had a guy come to me one time, and I'll say this, we'll pray. He was a deacon in the church. Got real ignorant, real ignorant. Done something real stupid. I mean, he said, man, I made things right, and I made things right with the person that I did wrong, and da 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 And He said, preacher, I'm quitting everything in the church. I feel that's what I need to do. I said, Why? Well, because I messed up. I said, Did you make it right? He said, Yeah, I made it right. And I, I said, well, Why are you quitting? The Bible says the word the, the blood will purge our conscience from dead works, that we may so In other words, those things we did. It will purge our conscience. It will clear that. So that we can serve a living God. Not quit. Now I know there are some failures that need. Healing and counseling and that type of thing. There's some issues that require you to step back from responsibility so that you can get healed because you can't help when you're hurting. I understand all that. But the thing is not when you mess up and hit the canvas to say, I'm done with God. I'm going to quit everything and, and I, because I don't deserve to do that. You didn't deserve it before. Well, God don't love me now. He knew you were going to do it before He saved you. How do you know that? I'm Alpha and Omega. He's already attended your funeral. He's been in your tomorrow. He lives in your yesterday. Think about that. Time means nothing to Him. He's already been in your future. He's already been in your retirement age. He's already been there so he knows everything you've ever done and everything you're ever going to do but he saved you anyhow what a god we serve what a god father in jesus name help us get off the canvas the devil's coming in throwing blows low blows sucker punches all this stuff